0: Welcome to another edition of the Scout Team Podcast. I'm Emory Hunt, the czar of The Playbook. You can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, as you should, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. Speaking of subscribing, always subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network, which is located at YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan. And that's where you'll get all of our NFL draft content that we have coming down the pike, our draft grades and things of that nature. Can't wait to start rolling those out this week. Um, as I just finished the running back grades, and we already talked about the quarterback grades as well. So subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com/slash football game plan. Always bookmark the website footballgameplan.com, and more specifically footballgameplan.com/slash fbgp scouting. So all of that out the way, we're here because we're going to talk about the 2018 running back class from a quick takeaway perspective. I just finished grading the running backs; 51 running backs in total. And the NFL just released its scouting combine list. So looking at that list of running backs on there, rest assured that all guys listed there have been graded by myself. So you won't miss anyone that hasn't have had a grade or had their film evaluated on that list. So glad we got the running backs out the way. Tomorrow I will move on to the wide receivers. That's why I want to record this quick takeaway podcast, just like I did for the quarterbacks. And we got a lot to discuss. Uh, in reference to this podcast as far as the grades are concerned. But again, we're not going to give you the full grades because obviously we want you to watch the video. Uh, But today we're going to talk about some of the prospects that stood out to me as far as from a top overall perspective, underrated and some sleepers. And also we have a list of topics that I want to discuss in regards to the running back position. The top overall graded back this year is Saquon Barkley out of Penn State, 5'10". 230 pounds. Barkley just has everything that you want from a tailback. He has the athletic traits, the physical traits, which you're talking about, the uh, explosiveness, uh, the speed, the power. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's also a good downfield receiver, more so than your traditional uh, swing, flare, screen type of receptions that you see backs have. That's To me, that's meeting expectations. But he can go down the field in the passing game, and I think that's a huge bonus for his game and also the way the NFL is being played now. So he's a top overall graded back. Vision I'm not worried about. We'll discuss that later. I just think he has the complete package. And I haven't seen a back. He has graded pretty high for me. And we'll talk about the comparison to the 2017 class. But he's right up there with the high grades that I had in that class. So he has a 91 overall grade from me right now. Uh, not right now, but they're final. So 91 overall, that's fide future All-Pro. I think Barkley is that type of player, and that's why I have him going very high in the draft. It, again, if it were me selecting in the draft, he would go high because he has those traits. Some underrated backs in this draft class, as I was breaking down the film, Miami's Mark Walton. Um, he missed the bulk of this season with an injury, but you go back to last year, watch his games and you watch what he was able to do so far this season, earlier in the season before uh, he got injured. And you just came away impressed with the totality of what he brings to the table. And had he not gotten injured, I think he would have been in a conversation for, you know, being talked about higher as we talk about the Saquon Barkley's and the, uh, the Nick Chubbs and the Sony Michelle's and things of that and guys of that nature. So, Mark Walton's game, I think, is being vastly underrated. I think he's going to be one of those quote-unquote late risers. all depends on how healthy the ankle is. And good thing it is just an ankle and not anything else that's very serious. So I think he's going to make a full recovery. But his game just speaks volumes. This guy is very underrated. I also believe Ryan Null of Oregon State is underrated. He's 6'2", 230 pounds and has great burst and acceleration. For a bigger back, that's impressive. He also has soft hands catching a ball out of the backfield. So I I believe when you look at – His game and and translating it to what we see now in the NFL, having that total package definitely makes you a little bit more valuable of a prospect in the eyes of pro scouts and evaluators and also coaches. They don't have to take you off the field if you can do a lot of different things. And Ryan Null of Oregon State can definitely do that. Now, the nagging injuries, those are always things that you worry about with guys that have missed time, that maybe not have missed games, but missed time in games. That's always a question mark when you're looking at guys. And remember, he came out early. So I'll be interested to see how he tests at the combine. But his game on film, I think, is definitely one that's very underrated. Cameron Petway of Auburn is also an underrated player to me. And, and here's why. Again, another guy that missed a lot of time this year with injury. But when you watch him play, I think he's a guy that doesn't get enough credit for his vision, his footwork his ability to find that cutback and get to that cutback lane. So I think his eyes and feet are where they need to be. But I also believe he's a guy that could stand to lose maybe 10 to 15 pounds. And that'll help him pick up even more quickness and a little bit more bounce in his step than what he has now. Right now, he kind of is similar to Ron Dane when he was with the New York Giants when he dropped some weight or maybe with the Houston Texans. And he was a little bit more fluid than what we saw at Wisconsin. But I think Petway does have some skill set That could yield him to get a lot of carries as a pro, Um, despite that ugly horse collar. Hopefully he doesn't wear that in the NFL and that ugly 36. But outside of that, Petway has some really good game. And I think if he can lose 10 to 15 pounds, he'd be a much better pro than he was a collegian. Now some sleepers, I went the full gambit in here. I I went with a guy that um, comes from a smaller school, I went with a guy that played in the FBS that's very underrated with his game and with his production, and another guy that that is a, posi- a, pos- a position a position switch candidate um, that has some really good running back skills. So I'll start with the small college guy. That's Sam Benger of Carnegie Mellon. Division Three Carnegie Mellon, the Tartans. Now here's why I like Sam Benger and what his tape told me. His tape told me that he's a one-cut downhill runner with explosive burst. And when I'm talking about explosive, he can get – Once he plants that foot in the ground, the next seven yards are are given because he's that explosive. I was able to watch his game, uh, broadcast his game live in those 2016 ECAC bowl games, so I got to see him up close. Broke down a lot of Carnegie Mellon tape, and Sam Benger is an explosive back. He's 5'6", 185, but he's short, not small. I met him in person this past November when I was out there talking with their coach, uh, Rick Lackner, and he was explaining how this guy just – Eats the weights. He also eats the film. Actually, when I met him, he was in the film room uh, going through the game of the, se- the the game the games of the season in preparation for their game that upcoming weekend. So he was already in the the mix as far as prepping for that game. He's also a very bright guy. You have to be able to go to Carnegie Mellon, but he was also part of the William Campbell trophy uh, presentation. He didn't win. Uh, Michael Kaiser won, but this is a guy that was there. So that's that means he's doing a great deal of work in the classroom and also on the field. But his game is just explosive. I think he's going to be one of those underrated players you see uh, when, it, when it comes time for their pro day because they have Sam Binger and they also have John Prather, a wide receiver, that's going to get a lot of looks as well. So they're going to have some scouts travel out to Pittsburgh for their pro day. Now maybe they may work out at Pitt or they may also have their own separate pro day. But Benger is a guy to keep an eye on. He's a tremendous tailback. Larry Rose III of New Mexico State. When you talk about guys that that have been productive over the course of their collegiate career, he was a freshman All-American. He's a three-time All-American, put it that way. And he was up there with guys like Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb. Larry Rose III's name never gets mentioned, but he was up there as well. And he put up a gang of yards at New Mexico State, helped lead that team the their first bowl game since 1960. And what I liked about his game, his acceleration. Once he plants his foot in the ground and accelerates down a lane or through a seam, uh, he's going to get there pretty quickly. He also is one of those guys we talked about earlier that's a downfield threat in a passing game. And don't let his 5'11", 5'10", 5'11", 195-pound frame fool you. When he came into New Mexico State, he was 160 pounds. That's how he ended up at New Mexico State. He now has gotten bigger to about 195, and you have to just factor in that he's going to be involved with pro nutrition, you know, pro access to weights, and all he has to do now is worry about football. So he's going to get up to about 205, and when you factor that into what he brings to the table as a skills pers- from a skills perspective, you have to like the the upside of Larry Rose III. And speaking of upside, I'm going right up here, up north, a little bit north of where I where I live. To West Point, Army, Ahmad Bradshaw, the quarterback, I think could be a tremendous tailback. You watch him handle that option attack with the Army Black Knights, and you also look at how he runs with the football. His game reminds me a lot of Brian Mitchell that came from then southwestern Louisiana, but we now know and love it as the University of Louisiana, home of the Raging Cajuns, of yours truly, uh, speaking as a former collegian uh, at the University of Louisiana. But, Brian Mitchell is a comparison I have for my Bradshaw because Brian Mitchell also played quarterback for the Raging Cajuns and transitioned well to a kickoff returner and tailback for the Washington Redskins and all the other teams he played for throughout the course of his career. I think Bradshaw can make that transition. I love how he runs with the football. He has those subtle nuances within his game that you can easily see like, hey, this guy may be a better running back than anywhere else. Just like when you had uh, the guy from Navy. Oh, his name slips my mind, The, the quarterback Keenan Reynolds. You had Keenan Reynolds, and you saw him more so, okay, he's probably better as a receiver. I thought he probably should have stayed at quarterback. He threw the football really well for an option passer, um, but they moved him to receiver. With Bradshaw, I don't see him as a receiver. I see him as a running back. He's 5'10", about 2'10", uh, so he he has a thicker frame, um, and he runs between the tackles very well. He can read blocks on the fly, which is what you need to have as a running back and him playing the quarterback position definitely helps him translate quicker than someone that has to play quarterback and then move to receiver. So I think from just a skill standpoint, the way he runs the football, the way he's able to lower his shoulder and break tackles and also outrun some defenders. I like him as a running back. Now you're going to have to wait two years, I believe for the, you know, for him to fulfill his army commitment. Now he's going to be eligible for a preseason duty and then goes back to the, to the army, but I think this is a guy that you could take a late flyer on or maybe bring him in as an undrafted free agent if you if you don't want to spend a draft pick. But I would spend a draft pick on him because I think this is a guy that has good football playing skill set at that position at that level. So that's my top overall prospect, my underrated prospects, and some sleepers that that I came away with with this draft class. And there's a bunch more. Obviously, I'm just not going to give you everything because you didn't, won't watch the video. I kind of want you to watch the video because we put a lot of time and effort in the video. So I can't tell you everything. However, there's still a lot to discuss here because when you talk about Saquon Barkley and you talk about his skill set, you talk about what he brings to the table, instantly the Twitterites and everyone else, oh, well, you can't take a running back that high. You know, you, you can't because you, they come a dime a dozen you could get a running back in the seventh round that, that can be just fine and run the football. Like, no, here's the difference. And this is why the, the the running back draft value is a myth. Yes, you can get a running back in the seventh round that can be a starter for you. Absolutely. We've seen it all the time. Terrell Davis turned into a Hall of Famer. Uh, Alfred Morris was a, what, sixth rounder, I believe, and led the Redskins in rushing for two years, right? And, and has been a quality pro since. But you notice... Morris always gets replaced. There's a difference. Here's the difference between a Saquon Barkley and, let's say, an Alfred Morris. Morris is a yeah, but type of a runner, you know? Like, yeah, he's good. He's getting yards, but I think we could be a little bit better. I think we could be a little bit faster. Man, I think we could be a little bit more dynamic in a passing game. Man, I wish we had a little bit more of a home run capability coming out of the backfield. That's what you get with Saquon Barkley. That's why he's a guy that you take high in the draft. Also, we haven't seen Barkley, knock on wood, suffer an injury. So you don't have that injury question. You look at his game. This is a guy that has the explosiveness, has the home run hitting capabilities. You saw it as a runner, as a receiver. You even saw it as a kickoff returner. When Penn State needed a big play, guess who went back there to return kicks? When Penn State needed a big play, guess who they turned to the, to hand the football to or throw the football to or try to find a, a creative matchup to exploit? That's the back that you take high in the draft. So if I'm the Cleveland Browns, if I'm the New York Giants, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, best believe Saquon Barkley will be in the mix for that top pick because of what he brings to the table. He's a complete player, a guy that you don't have to take off the field. People will say, oh, well, you know, the NFL is about tandems now. You need a tandem. Yeah, you you could use a tandem, but I want the best tandem possible. You just can't pair two random backs together and call it a tandem. No, Al Davis had a vision. He had a running back tandem. It just so happened that his was Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Give me the best two possible backs, and, yes, I'll have a great tandem. Tom Landry and uh, – I forgot who's the owner at the time, but Tom Landry saw it. He had Herschel Walker and Tony Dorsett in a backfield at the same time. That, my friends, is a tandem. The Saints, Ricky Williams was their number one pick, right? They traded all those draft picks for him. But then they went ahead two years later and took – Deuce McAllister in the first round because they knew they wanted to move on from rookie, because he had some injuries. All right, fine. Let's throw that one out the window. So they had Deuce. Deuce was out there balling for the Saints. Very underrated runner in his career, by the way. First round, 2006, Reggie Bush. Now you have Deuce and Bush in the backfield. They helped lead the Saints to the NFC Championship game. Teams couldn't stop Deuce. Teams definitely couldn't stop Reggie Bush in that orbit role that they were utilizing him in uh, in New Orleans. Reggie Bush now moves into more entrenched of being a a New Orleans Saint, and then they go ahead on and draft Mark Ingram in the first round. So, again, backs that are great, you take them in the first round to have that special capability. And before anyone jumps in my mentions and says Mark Ingram wasn't great, one, he won the Heisman Trophy, and two, when you go back and look at his footwork and his vision, and the reason why he's able to gain yards consistently at Alabama and also with the New Orleans Saints, is because of that footwork and vision that a lot of backs don't have. So, that's what made him elite. So if you're you're sitting there with a need at running back, a need for the game breaker, and I know I'm probably – this is why watching a lot of football helps you. I do realize with the advent of fantasy football, a lot of guys just started watching football, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have the catalog of football history that I have or that many that have watched football over the longer period of time, you can draw back to certain things and things that you have seen – that things that you're seeing now you hadn't – You've seen it before, and a lot of people haven't seen it because they hadn't watched a lot of football, and that's the difference. When I look at Saquon Barkley, Barkley, I see an explosive player. I see a game breaker. I see a guy that rings the cash register, and you need home run hitters. Give me all of the players that can hit home runs. Give me all the running backs that can score from anywhere on the field. I want guys that can score and guys that can take the ball away. Those are the threats that you need in football, and that can come from running back position, you can come from a receiver position, defensive end, corner, linebacker. Give me all of the players that are threats, and Saquon Barkley is a threat. So, if you have a threat there at that position, then you take him high. It doesn't matter if, now if Saquon Barkley was just as another. If he was Cameron Petway, you don't take Cameron Petway high. You don't take Ahmad Bradshaw high. You know, you you can wait. But you don't also want to play the draft game, like oh well, you don't. You can wait and get a running back. No, who's to say that they'll be a run on running backs, right? Who's to say the guy that you really want or have second is going to be there when you pick again? Why take that chance? Take the best players when you can. That goes for any position. If you need a quarterback, take the best quarterback possible. If you need an offensive tackle, take the best damn tackle possible. Don't try to play the draft and wait. Otherwise, you're going to come up snake eyes in that situation in that gamble. Also, when you talk about Barkley, and I know I'm making this all about Barkley, but there's a lot that goes into the position. You know, people knock his vision. Well, why did he not take this two-yard game? Why Why did he try to bounce it outside and ended up losing two yards? One of the best running backs, if not the best running back in NFL history, has the most lost yardage in NFL history, and that's Barry Sanders. And I'm not saying Saquon Barkley is Barry Sanders. But here's the difference between a Barkley and, let's say, a uh, uh, let, let's say who, who can we see? Let's use Alfred Morris again. If Alfred Morris had the ankle flexion, the explosiveness, the lateral agility, the elusiveness of a Saquon Barkley, he would try to make people miss instead of running over people. So, and when you're a game breaker, and I'm going to use myself as an example, I did have the ankle flexion, the explosiveness, the lateral agility, of a Saquon Barkley, of a Reggie Bush, of a Barry Sanders. So I had to work within my skill set. It was either maybe a a subtle move left or right and then try to run over you or take the the road less travel and maybe try to outrun you to the corner. Best believe, I wish I had the ability to make guys miss because guys don't want to take that many hits. The less hits you take, the long longer you're going to play, which is probably why we hadn't seen Barkley miss a lot of time because he doesn't get hurt. Why? Because he has the ability to make you miss. <gasps> what a novel concept. Also, when you're talking about vision versus patience, I think Barkley's issue to, to some, they say he has a vision problem. I don't think it's a vision problem. He sees the field very well. I think he has a lack of patience, and that is tied directly to the offense, Think about this. Let's say I I played college football from 99 to 2001, 02. Going back to high school and up until the advent of the spread offense, right? Tailbacks lined up seven and a half, eight yards back. Inside zone, outside zone, you read the hole, you made the cutbacks, things like that. Nowadays, you're seeing a lot more college and high school players lined up in the shotgun four yards back alongside of the quarterback. So your vision is already being trained to look at one side of the field. When you're back behind a quarterback, whether it's even in a pistol set, you're seeing the full field. You're seeing the full, I'm talking about when I say field, I'm talking about tackle to tackle. You're seeing a whole line of scrimmage, but when you're next to a guy and you're, it's all about the mesh point, you're really reading one side of the field and things move quickly in front of you at four yards alongside of a player only going one way. Then it does at seven yards back, and meeting the quarterback at the handoff spot. So I think that's not just a Barkley issue. It's a today's tailback issue because when you're grading these backs, you're seeing a lot of guys have a little bit of the same issue. And I think it's because of how the offenses are run. Guys are now closer to the line of scrimmage running east or west instead of going downhill uh, further back and being able to see how things play out and giving it more time to play out and finding that cutback lane. So I don't think his vision is a problem. When you, st- when you talk about vision being a problem, you're talking about guys that tend to run in the back of their, their offensive alignment a lot. You know, they can't anticipate, and that's vision. Vision allows you to anticipate. Um, patience allows you to see it play out and wait for it to happen before you're making a move. When you look at a guy like Jay Ajayi, he has a vision issue. When you look at a guy like uh, LeGarrette Blunt, his teammate, he doesn't. And also he has patience, which is why it seems as if he's always able to find the right cutback lane. And and that's the thing. Despite Ajayi being more athletic, uh, faster, you know, more explosive, Garrett is the Blunt is the better running back because he has the vision and also the patience. He doesn't run into the back of his offensive lineman. He's always able to find that cutback lane. And that's what I like about his game. That's also why I think I, when you look at a guy like Cameron Petway and how he's able to have success, because he's playing mostly behind the quarterback in their motion and things of that nature, I guarantee you if someone wants to do a a study on these backs that are lined up seven or eight yards back, juxtaposed to those that are lined up four yards alongside, I guarantee you, you'll come away more impressed with those guys' vision that are lined up deeper as opposed to those that are lined up right next to the quarterback. Taking a look at the 2017 draft class and, I'm looking here at my list and I had Fournette, uh, Delvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt, Turek Cohen as my top five. And looking at the grades and then looking at where these guys are rated now, um, I think last year's class, it's about the same. Because I look at the the top, let's say the top ten. My top ten last year, I think, fits quite in here. So, you know, I, I think this class just is just as good as last year's class. I actually like this year's class. Um, I like the running backs that they have. There's a ton of game breakers. So, yes, you have guys like Saquon Barkley who grade out the best, but you also have guys that are just as talented. However, if you're picking high, you got to take the best of the best. But this is a really good group of running backs. I think last year was just as good. So, to make the comparison, this class is just as good as last year's class. I think last year's group, Looking back at this list now, maybe, and I graded. I think this year, this year I graded fifty-one backs. Last year I graded fifty backs. Um, but the back end of this list, looking at the grades here, are more along the lines of the you know close to the back end. There's no one that grades lower on, on in this list than someone on the list last year. I think what you're starting to see as well too, because of what I talked about where these guys are aligned. You're starting to see a lot of the same type of backs. There's a bunch of backs that are the same, no lie. And so when I'm talking about the same, I'm talking about backs that that are coming out of the certain offense. Do, they do a lot of the same things and credit those college coaches for recruiting the same type of guys that can fit their system. So they're interchangeable. So a guy may go down, they put in a new guy, that's the same type of back. I think when you're looking at a lot of these guys in this class, um, because of the offenses that these these schools are running nowadays, you see a lot of the same type of players, but still good nonetheless, still a very good group of running backs. And if you need a tailback, I suggest you look at first through third rounds and grabbing those guys because after that, in my opinion, you're going to get guys that are spot guys, guys that can come in as a number two or a number three or a return specialist. That's what you'll find after round three. So I would I wouldn't even wait to, to round three. I would say if you have a need for a back in round one or two, take one of these backs that that are that are highly regarded. Otherwise, you're gonna find yourself with some specialists, and that there's nothing wrong with that. But if you have a need, take one high. Don't try to play the draft game. Otherwise, you're gonna roll snake eyes in that gamble so that's it for this episode of the scout team podcast taking a quick takeaway or giving you my quick takeaways on the 2018 nfl draft running back class be sure to follow me on twitter at FballGameplan, game plan subscribe and leave me a five-star rating on itunes to the football game plan podcast and always subscribe on youtube to youtube.com slash football game plan which is our football game plan network and we'll start rolling out our full draft grade videos later on this week so i will talk to you guys after grading the receiver position Bye.